Hey, good morning, Matt. Morning. I say you got a nice shaved head there. <laughs> hey, good morning, guys. Good morning, good morning Mike. <laughs> hey, Ray, can I play around with making sure I can share my screen? You can. Okay. I'm gonna uh, make I'm gonna make you the host or make you a host so that it may give you more uh, freedom. Yep, that's exactly. I, I love freedom. <laughs> exactly what I need, man. I need coffee. I, freedom, not so important. Coffee, important. <laughs> Is my audio all right? You hear me okay? Yeah. I usually work with a headset and I left it at work. Okay. So let me see if I can share. Oh, you're good, man. You're good. I'm assuming you're seeing my, my PowerPoint. Yep. Okay. Excellent. Matt, so what, what's the home renovation focus for this weekend? Um, so right now we're trying to finish up the girls' room. We... Uh, took out all the lath and plaster. We um, insulated and drywalled it. And so now we're current. We spackled it. So now we're working on kind of the last few stages. Okay. Uh, finish up the mudding so then we can primer and paint. And then the girls' room will be finished. Nice. They, they'll be happy, right? Yes. <laughs> they do want purple and pink. Oh. A purple and pink room. I don't know if that's happening or not, but. Yeah. I'll let Julie decide if that's really that important. <laughs> it's the painting over it down the road that's the hard part. Right. All right. I see Larry coming in, I think. You awake, Larry? It still shows uh, connecting in audio, so. Okay. Now, Ray, I didn't I didn't see a final count, whether it was like six or seven people, that type of thing. Was it was that what we saw? Yeah, so six from Mount Calvary and then um whoever else you you send an invite to. I guess I gotta give some time here on the first one, huh? Man, I appreciate you jumping in on this, man. It's always tough to have a guy with a, a title like Reverend sitting in a in a Bible study. Well, I uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. So good. It used to be overwhelming. Now it's not. I just I kind of say what I think, <laughs> and wherever it lands, it lands. That's right. Brad, good morning. Hey, good morning, Brad. Hey, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. I didn't recognize you at first. Uh, you got the the facial hair growing out, so. Yeah, Chick-fil-A changed their ruling on January 1st, so probably the, <laughs> the best thing about 2021 so far. <laughs> It, it won't last long, but it's been fun. It's nice being lazy, right? Not yeah, having to. Not having every to day definitely everything. got old. Hey, good morning, Eric.
Ray. I'm going to give probably about two more minutes or so, and I'll get started, and then we'll just keep adding people. Yep. Yeah, the two two ladies uh, had signed up. So uh, Daisy's not a morning person, but her kids are. <laughs> Is she? Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, but Tori gets up at 4 a.m. every day, so. Okay. Okay. This is good. Looks like we have a few coffee drinkers on here, huh? Yes. Multiple cups. Multiple cups, Brad. Uh, I, sh I did not prepare. I should have brought a second cup down for this. <laughs> Is Chick-fil-A coffee good, Brad? Um, it is debatable. Um, we we launched a new kind like maybe two years ago, and then we kind of just did a refresh with it. Um, so I think we're still trying to figure ourselves out. We're not a coffee company, that's for sure. Um, so it's okay. I mean, I like it. But if you like Starbucks, like Boulder, you probably won't like it. But if you're more of like a Dunkin' person, you probably can find some heart with it but yeah we'll stick with the chicken not with the coffee <laughs> morning Heidi morning how are you good how are you I'm doing great so your entire household's asleep still I'm betting so no everybody's awake we like to rise early <laughs> <laughs> it's this per perfect time Hey, Mike, I say right. go ahead. Yep. 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 I'm on it. I'm on it. Okay. So uh, good morning, everybody. So uh, let me just do some, you know, some housekeeping stuff to get us started here a little bit. Um, I'm going to try and do like a, just a little guiding powder, uh, PowerPoint, PowerPoint every week. And uh, so, you know, just disclaimer, um, I don't spell well. Okay. I don't pay attention to spacing and you know, how things look and formatting, I just kind of fire it up. And uh, so I don't want to be held accountable for that. So I'm just going to throw that part out. Um, the other thing is, you know, I'm going to get into why we're, we're doing this at 630 in the morning. Um, it, you know, and we'll kind of talk through that just a little bit. Um, is everybody seeing the PowerPoint? All right? Is there anything I need to do with the screen to make that different? Okay. So uh, let me just introduce myself for a couple of you that um, it's neat. I see some familiar faces, but some that are, that are new for sure. Um, so Ray talked to me about teaching. I'm not sure how I ended up in this again. Um, I, I, I like put myself in it somehow um, just because I have a big mouth. And um, then I get called to, you know, called to the cuff on things. So um, Ray asked me to teach. Um, I'm a little oppositional. Um, you know, and, and that's going to, this is, you know, I'm a big fan of Nehemiah because um, the study of Nehemiah really, um, a lot of traits I thought were negatives for me. I, I feel like they've become positives in studying Nehemiah because it, it's okay to be a little oppositional at times. So like when Ray said, teach Sunday school, please. Um, I said, sure. And he said, we do them on Sunday nights. I said, well, that's not going to work. You know, let's, let's do it at 630 on a Saturday morning. And, and Ray does a nice job of keeping a straight face with me without getting too upset. So that's how we end up in this space. Um, so, you know, what, what's the, the purpose of this? You know, getting into this, you, you know, in, in Nehemiah, um, you know, there's a, there's a critical verse um, in, I think it's in like chapter, uh, chapter two that talks about how, you know, while other people were sleeping in the middle of night, Nehemiah went to assess you know, what the problem was. Um, and he did that while other people were not awake. They weren't around to bother him. And I think that um, one thing about being a leader is that most leaders are working when other people aren't. And that's why we're going to do it in the morning. You know, I think it's very important for us to, you know, survey the problems and, and take a look at what we do, like Nehemiah, um, at a morning hour. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, hopefully you're a little bit asleep. So if I do something wrong, you don't catch it. That's also another perk to, to starting real early. So not worried about your appearance. Uh, you're going to see my hair. I'm not even sure I touch my hair. Um, I usually put a hoodie up 
in the morning because I, I get cold and I have my first cup of coffee um, about 4, 4.30 and just get some work done. And then, um, you know, like I said, pull my hood down because I get a little hot. And I'm not sure what the hair looks like. So don't, you know, show up as you are. Uh, don't worry what you look like. Okay, so let's, let me see here if I can work a PowerPoint. So a um, couple of items, like I said, okay, I've always believed I'm, I'm an ex-football coach. So my, my role right now is I'm in education. Um, I've got five kids of my own, okay? Um, and I think we're all called to different things. So, you know, I'll talk a little bit about that. I explained why we're starting early. Um, I believe in the Joe Paterno philosophy. You know, if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. If you're late, don't show up, okay? So, um, no, I won't be that critical. I won't delete you off the, the meeting, but I, I am going to be, you know, hold me accountable to making sure I'm here five minutes early. I've loved this world called COVID where we do all Zoom meetings where everybody shows up two minutes before the meeting or 30 seconds before the meeting. So like you get into this space if you're leading a, a meeting and nobody's there, you know, if you're there five minutes early. Um, it, it's, it's establishing these traits that I just don't like. Um, so again, I'm fighting it tooth and nail. The next thing in terms of a housekeeping is um, I read this great book one time. It's called Eat That Frog. Um, it's, a, it's not, a, it's not a, you know, a Christian text. It's, it's a leadership book, real, real simple read. It's got like five pages to a chapter and big pictures. Okay. But uh, a guy named Brian Tracy wrote it, but he always talked about preparing your workspace. You know, you've got all these little frogs jumping all over your workspaces. You're think, thinking about things that are going on. Uh, clear your workspace. Let's focus on Nehemiah for an hour, uh, but try to get to do that before we get started. Uh, all I really think you need is a Bible text, um, you know, just have a, a good working Bible, notepad and a pen. Um, but I also think that um, I'm going to talk a little bit about some side-by-side um, -side commentaries that I've used with Nehemiah. Uh, you can certainly reach out and do whatever you want to do. But um, the study of Nehemiah for me um, has taken about 10, 10 to 12 weeks. Um, so here's how this went. I really personally like Warren Wiersbe's uh, commentaries. So when I decide I want to study a book of the Bible, um, you can go online and they're all the B series. Okay, so, you know, Nehemiah is B determined. Um, so I ordered that. I did a study personally in Nehemiah. And when I got done, I had this burden. Um, I'm in, a, in public education. Um, I supervise four elementary principals. Um, and, and there's about 19 administrators I supervise in a district of 5,000 students. And um, I just had this burden to uh, do a Bible study on Nehemiah about leadership with our principals. Some were Christians, some weren't, okay? But, but, but like a, a headstrong, um, you know, impulsive person I tend to be at times, I just bought this uh, Wearsby book for five guys and I gave it to them. And I said, no pressure if you want to do this. So we read, um, you know, a reading passage. We did 25 days to finish Nehemiah, and that's how I got this started. So I shared that uh, through the way with a, a mentor of mine, Pastor Dan, who goes to Mount Calvary, um, and then he must have told Ray about it, and then I got roped into teaching Sunday school. So this is my third run through Nehemiah probably in about three months. Um, hopefully I can get some of it right, uh, but that's how we ended up here. I'm going to have a hard stop at 7.30, even if we're in the middle of uh, yapping. Um, I, I'll talk easily for an hour. If you know me well, I, I tend not to shut up. Um, but I want to find some times of pause so that you can contribute. You know, don't be afraid to throw things at us. Um, because I think the way you learn is to teach. And I think that's how I grow. So, you know, if you stay quiet, you're going to um, not bless me. Okay, so I think that's an important part of this. And again, I put my cell phone number here. Feel free to write it down. I love a text message that's thoughtful. You know, if I say something that offends you, send me a message and hammer me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm all into, um, you know, some good conversation and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm imperfect. So I think that's what's good. So when I look at leaders in the Bible, there's one perfect leader that's a model for all of us in leadership, and that's Jesus. Okay, every other leader that we study in the Bible is imperfect. 
And that's what's appealing to me about Nehemiah because it's not cookie cutter. Um, it's kind of a come as you are and you learn about, uh, you know, where we all need to be. Any questions on the upfront stuff here? Perfect. Okay. Gosh, I'm going to have a bunch of technical errors. So wh what I would say is this. Um, when I look at anything in leadership, so I, I did my master's and my doctoral degree in uh, educational leadership. Um, and I never went to a Christian school until I did my doctoral work. And in fact, this is how I am. If you tell me I can't do something, um, I will do it just to prove you wrong, even if it causes me hardship, because my ego is the size of Texas at times. And I don't know how to, you know, just avoid that. Um, so I had a person in my life that said that I was not qualified um, to be a leader in a Christian environment because I had never gone to a Christian school. And boy, it, it, those were fighting words. And um, but in the end, after eight years, I went and got a doctoral degree from Liberty in leadership. And as I reflect, the person who challenged me was absolutely right in my life. OK, so between my teeth, I'm putting my tongue between my teeth and I'm grinting a little bit. But the guy was right. Um, so in this study, uh, Blackaby was always a good author for me with leadership. But he always talked about your spiritual world, your, you know, your Christian worldview. And um, I, I've, I've come to this point where you don't do leadership in isolation of the Bible. I think you have to do it with, uh, you know, that companion study. I do get into a lot of secular readings, um, but I think they have to be meshed with. Um, and, and at the core, your biblical readings. That's, that's why we're here with Nehemiah. But I'd like to throw this up before I teach anything, because I do believe we've got to be careful of what our worldview always looks like and anything we're talking about. So here's the commentaries that I used. Um, the, the book Visioneering is what drew me to Nehemiah originally. Um, if you haven't read it, Andy Stanley is a phenomenal writer. This is a game changer if you're working with staff, um, if you're working with a team um, in terms of, you know, casting a, a, a direction. Um, you know, I just it, it's good. I've read it about three or four times. Um, I've led group studies with it. I've read it personally. I've, since I've started this again, I've come back to read it again. If you're going to order something this week in terms of a companion read, that's a good one to read in the evening. It's not a, it's not a Bible study. Okay. But it's, it's, uh, a pastor, uh, that's a visionary that wrote a book and he, and he focused it all around Nehemiah. The B series with Warren Wearsby is essentially a companion uh, to a Bible study. So that's a little bit more scripted. Um, you know, I've used that to, 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 to speak right from the text. So I like them both. Um, then, of course, I went to church one day and at the Welcome Center, uh, Pastor Dan had two books in a rubber band with a note card on it with my name. I didn't ask for it. He gave it to me. Um, and it, what's interesting to me is my background. I didn't grow up in a church home. Um, really didn't have, you know, parents involved. Um, I, my, my dad was involved until I was 17 and then he passed away. Um, but Pastor Dan has been that type of influence for me. I don't have grandparents that were really involved, you know, that type of thing. He's been that guy for me over 25 years. So when he gives me something, you know, you kind of sit up, you listen, and you don't say a word, you just jump into it. So his um, anecdotal information was written through this. And to me, that was like, you know, time honoring privilege to see what he thought of the reading. So I've used that as well as I go through this. So I'm trying to read four books as I go. What you'll find about me is I'm a little scatterbrained because I never know when to stop researching. You know, at some point you've got to narrow your, your study to speak. And I don't do that. I, I tend to keep reading and reading and pulling and pulling and I get myself all over the place. So those are the books that I, you know, am using as companions feel free to order something. I think it's good to have something in, in addition to, you know, just to keep you committed to these 10 weeks. Okay, <clears throat> let's give a little bit, bit of a uh, background about our person, Nehemiah, and what's going on, um, just to get into this, and then, you know, we'll talk, talk through this. 
So, you know, again, at the end of the day, when you, you look back in Kings, okay, I think it, it, it really depicts when, um, you know, the actual destruction uh, took place in, in Jerusalem. And, and um, you know, we're looking at a situation uh, as we're currently uh, seeing what happens with Nehemiah. We enter the book of Nehemiah and something took place like 140 years ago, okay? Um, what was going on currently is everything was deplorable. You know, and, and, you know, again, we can't help but to crosswalk that to what we're seeing in community now, you know, that social, spiritual conditions are, are deplorable currently. Um, you know, you, you often wonder as you read in the Old Testament about that crosswalking to current, um, you know, current situations. So, um, you know, Nehemiah was a cupbearer for the king. Okay, and I'll talk a little bit about that. <clears throat> um, you know, Jerusalem went from God's city to a city of mockery, okay? But the bottom line is, is this guy named Nehemiah was 900 miles away from where this was going on, okay? So I think to myself, you know, it's a it was a three-month trip, if you will, in those days and 900 miles, you know, and, it, you know, I, I used, I actually lived in California, okay, um, at one point in my life when I was really, really young. I'm thinking to myself, I could care less what's going on in California, okay? I'm not going to stop what I'm doing to go to California uh, to take care of business. Um, but for whatever reason, okay, as we get into this, we'll see that Nehemiah, um, you know, had the burden, the desire, okay, to uh, leave comfort to go to, you know, what, what was mockery or deplorable. Um, and again, you know, it, it took four months and 52 days. And these are, you know, anytime I throw a number out, they're estimates, okay? I'm drawing estimates from what somebody else wrote about or um, as I read through the Bible text, but four months to discern the burden that God laid on Nehemiah's heart and 52 days to rebuild Jerusalem and that wall, okay? And we'll talk a little bit about that. Let me ask a question here real quick. Has anybody read Nehemiah cover to cover? Has anybody read the book of Nehemiah? Just raise your hand if you did so I could just see. Okay. Okay. I never did until a couple of months ago. So, you know, again, you, you guys who are, are more experts in the business than, than I am, um, you, you know, this I've gone through it a couple of times now recently, but never even, you know, kind of got into it. So it was really fascinating to me. Um, as I go through the Bible, um, I, I scribble over everything. So if you would open my personal Bible to Nehemiah, um, it would almost it would almost push you over the edge because you can't read my writing. I can't read my writing sometimes, um, and it, it there's no sense to it. Like my wife is is an elementary teacher. Everything's got to be a perfect circle on the line. And and anytime I write a grocery list or if I write something on her chalkboard. Um, it, it infuriates her because my writing's horrible. So that's what my Bible looks like. Okay. So, you know, um, Nehemiah essentially was a cupbearer of the king. Okay. So what I got to do is I don't know how to show my notes. So I want to at least look and see what I wrote. So you guys can still see the slides a little bit. Um, how do I do that? Let me see here. Give me one second to... Uh, let me see, present online. Okay. I'm just going to have to go back and deal with it. I'm not sure how to read my notes, Ray. You might, you might need to give me some tech support on this with having your PowerPoint up while having notes. I thought I had the notes on my screen. You need two screens usually to be able to do it. Okay. Well, this is going to be a failure then. That's great. Week one, I'm failing. Okay. So let's get after this. I'll just have to talk from the hip, I guess. So essentially, Nehemiah was a cupbearer, okay? Um, you know, the one thing I, I really wanted to get at in this, this whole, you know, situation was, do we know what a cupbearer really did? I mean, what, what uh, give me some feedback. What's, you know, if you've read through this, what, what was his role? Well, when I drink coffee, that means you got to speak. He certainly protected the king from any poisons or any assassination attempts. So certainly he was around the king a lot, tasted his food, 
drank from his cup and he was there to ensure the safety of the king and he would die in the king's place. It's perfect, Matt. So, you know, you think about it, you know, this guy is, and I put myself in that role. I'm an assistant superintendent, right? So as I'm reading this, I, I had the superintendent in my Bible study doing this and I had to laugh because I, I said, you know, uh, I, w- I felt like I was the cupbearer for the king. That's kind of my role, right? So you got to make sure there's no cyanide in the drink every day, you know, and um, you think about that. So is that just a person who's brave, you know, or is that a person who had to, you know, prepare for, for that situation? So it sounds like the king would have that, that, that drink every day. So he had to think about the storage of the you know, the drink. He had to think about um, who was handling the drinks. He had to think about where he was ordering it from. Um, you have to believe that he was by the king's side on a regular basis. So I would got, I, I've got to imagine that this was a person in a political sense that um, had, had a bit of influence. So before I hand my, my buddy who I work with a drink that might have cyanide in it or something poisonous to kill you, um, you might have a relationship, right? So I would think that this Jew had a relationship with this king, um, and it really, um, you'll see later in the study, that it opened some doors to some opportunities, um, you know, for Nehemiah to, to, to really, um, you know, set the table for what was to come. Um, so, you know, again, think about it. He's 900 miles away from where he's going to be called to duty. Okay, but God is preparing him in a different space. Okay, so I think to myself, you know, are we in a role now in our lives where we're in a different space and it doesn't feel right? You know, so for me, you know, uh, I've always wanted to run a Chick-fil-A, you know, and I'm in education. So at some point, God's going to get me to a Chick-fil-A, you know, but he might be just using me in my school system. Okay, to prepare me for that next step. And I think we're not patient. You know, I guess that's my my role. Are we are we willing to taste the wine um, in order to get to God's purpose for our lives? And I I think that's something that um, has challenged me as I've read this a few times that I tend to really get restless. And I think in our roles and and we're going to talk about what our vision is and what our whys are. And, and I think as you do that, you really have to consider what, you know, um, where you're at currently and what skills are being grown. Okay. I, I joke about Chick-fil-A because Brad owns a Chick-fil-A. So I think, you know, just, just want to take advantage of the audience just a, a, a little bit. Okay. So again, you know, I, I, I put a, a note here, you know, that he was like a top security agent. Okay. One of the authors wrote this and I thought it was really good. Um, it's something we should all consider and where we're at currently, where has God put us? And, and you know, I, I don't think that's any different from a Joseph who was in exile, you know, as he, he was prepared um, for, for the role that he had to take on. And we often wonder, why are we put in this role? And, and, and I think we have to understand it might be for something completely different. And I really struggle with that because I want to I want to serve in a hearty way where I'm at and, and be a game changer. And it might be just preparing you to be the game changer. Okay. So again, Andy Stanley said this, and I'll try to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to, uh, you know, steal people's words for sure. Um, so I'm going to try and give good credit. But, you know, again, this is not a story about, you know, a miracle. This is why I think it, it really, this is a guy that just dug in. You know, I think that in the end, end of the day, Nehemiah is is a regular person. And, um, you know, I think that we're going to see how he got to that place where he did something tremendous. And I think that we can follow that lead because this is the average Joe. You know, this is a person that's no different. You know, sometimes we read through the Bible and we see these miracles and we're thinking, good Lord, is that really going to happen to me? It certainly could. But I think this is something that I tend to attach myself a little bit more to is how this guy went from point A to point B. And that's going to be really the study of all this. I read another article. I love, you know, again, this is, this is for me. These next couple of slides are for me. Okay. It, it's really going to take a person who's pretty aggressive, 
who's pretty opinionated, who's pretty impulsive, and it's really going to make me feel at ease because uh, some authors said this is okay, you know. So the word chloric, you know, I, I again, I, I'm fascinated at this point in life with words. I'm not a great student, you know. I, I graduated with like a 2-0, two, two something, you know, in high school. I have to, I have to laugh because my high school grade point average was lower than my bachelor's, was lower than my master's, was lower than my doctorate. So, you know, it's not that I got smarter, but, you know, for whatever reason, I think, you know, again, you just work harder, things become more interesting. Words are interesting to me now when I was in high school, I could hardly stand it. But when you look at temperaments and you study psychology and look at the body fluids, um, you, you know, basically human traits, you know, these, this is something that, again, it's not, you know, it's, it's not something spiritual, it's, it's, it's more so you know, uh, from a medical side, but when you look at it, you know, they, this, this author Packer talked about Nehemiah being chloric, being short-tempered, fast, irritable, and when I say irritable, it's not a sense that, um, you know, Nehemiah would, would flip on people or get upset, okay, you know, um, while he did have, you know, an experience that we're going to see where he had to lay his foot down a little bit, you know, drop those stone tablets and, and, and throw them on the ground because of the golden calf. Um, he had one of those moments. Um, but I do believe the irritable part was he saw something and it bothered him, you know. And I think that I think there's a physical response, OK, from us as believers when there's something God is calling us towards. And um, we, we, we can't deny that, you know, we can't deny when we're short uh, frustrated, irritable. And I, I think that that really stood out to me. The second thing I would say, another word that describes Nehemiah that I read uh, was zeal, you know, and I was just talking to some 19 year olds that were over at my house and explaining them that I'm zealous. And I got, I get all excited when I read something that like, where I felt condemned by my behavior. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh boy, this is like a good trait. Um, you know, so again, when you look at this, I just pulled this passage out, out, out of a commentary. Um, you know, you're very sensitive to a situation and, and you're not willing to let it go. And you might even force an issue. You know, if I'm sitting in a meeting, you know, as a, as a trustee or, a, you know, an elder in a church or a deacon or what, whatever role that we're playing, I, I tend to be the one that pushes an issue or says something that everybody else might think. Somehow it flies out of my mouth. And, and I blame it on my mother. Um, she, she said things that were appalling, and now I say it too. Again, just to finish this a little bit with zeal, okay? It's not that, um, you know, you're not, you're not uh, a humble person or reverent, okay? But, but you want to do the will of God, and you believe you have that, that, that feeling, um, of uneasiness that that's the will of God that's that's being zealous okay any thoughts thus far with you know where we're at with this guy called Nehemiah I just want to set the table with what I feel like God's laid on my heart about this this person um, how's it relate to you let's let's think a little bit about that um, you know in, in, in your role as a leader I think the temperaments are always interesting um, study because it comes back to that nurture and nature and is someone born a leader or they made a leader um, and it's easy to assign maybe temperaments to some certain leaders and you know even seeing Nehemiah's uh, I like how you broke that down because he accomplished something in 52 days that would probably be pretty difficult for maybe uh, someone a phlegmatic who's more relaxed and peaceful you know so I can see where that his temperament came into play and where God really used him with that. So it's not about maybe being everything to all and figuring out how we can be different personalities or different temperaments, but how can God use us while we're, while he made us that way. Absolutely. And, and, and for me, nature and nurture, I think it's both. Yeah. Everybody likes to separate. I think it's both. Other thoughts. Okay. No pressure to speak, of course. 
let's get into the text. I really, um, you know, I, I said I want, at the end of this, uh, we're going to jump into Nehemiah 1, and that's going to be kind of our passage we take and run with for next week. Um, I think the goal of this for me is I want you to continue in your daily devotions and whatever you do. This I don't think this should be your daily devotion unless you want to get some commentaries and dig a little bit deeper, but um, I would rather give short passages you know, I used to joke about Jerry Moore when he taught Genesis, like he'd do one verse at a time and it took like 25 weeks and we we're still in Genesis one. Okay. And I'm, I'm finding as I age, I'm, I'm acting more like him. Don't tell him, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I used to like, you know, I, I'd actually used to speak out in his Sunday school class and say, Jerry, are we really ever going to get to chapter two? You know, this is, somewhat ridiculous, but I'm finding myself going backwards that way. So we're going to take small passages and just consider them a little bit. Okay. So again, I told you, I don't know how to spell. I'm also not going to be able to pronounce names. So Reverend Allett, if I screw a name up, um, I do not want condemned. Okay. So the words of Nehemiah, son of uh, Hakala, in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hannah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I was questioned about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and about Jerusalem. So what I think here is that, you know, you got Nehemiah serving his role as a cupbearer, okay? He's in Susa, which is 900 miles away, and one of his brothers and a few other individuals come and inform him of what Jerusalem is like. Um, you know, again, you, you date back, and the destruction of Jerusalem was like 140 years previous. You, you got to believe he had to knew, know what it looked like. But for whatever reason, this moment in time pushed him to a point um, of action. Okay, we'll leave it at that. So then the next uh, passage, verse 3 and 4. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down. Its gates have been burned with fire. Okay, so again, we're at a point in verse 3 where it's somewhat being described to him as to what it looks like. We're using some strong words. Um, we can understand that there's some suffering going on. We can understand there's humiliation. Um, so we're probably at a point for whatever reason where it bothered him, but now this took him over the edge. So what is his first response in verse four? When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. Okay. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. In, in this, as you look at it, you, you understand that Nehemiah was a cupbearer. The, the man himself had to be pretty courageous, I would think. You know, you put yourself in harm's way on a daily basis. Um, you're in front of the public eye. Um, Nehemiah was a trained individual, it seemed like. It seemed like Nehemiah had probably elevated himself to a position of some authority. So for him to sit down and, and cry, okay, um, you know, everybody's cut a little bit different, okay? I'm not sure if you guys are criers or not, okay? Um, I, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm like a little bit bipolar with this where I, I'm, I'm super aggressive, but, but I'm also sobbing my eyes out on a Disney movie on the couch with my kids as they're laughing at me. Okay. So, you know, I watched that, that movie, I'm a football fanatic and, and that Disney movie, uh, that just came out with a football player from Clemson. Okay. I am just blubbering my eyes out on the couch as I'm watching this and being made fun of by a bunch of kids. And that's just how I'm made. You know, this is how Jesus made me. One of my kids said that to me one time, but I use it all the time. You know, every time someone's critical of me, I'll say, this is how, this is how Jesus made me. So think about this was when he began to get upset. Okay. Why do you think this emotion came out? Well, this is not why his emotion came out, but I was thinking about myself that I can get so apathetic about stuff that goes on around me that I don't reach this point, right? Um, it's a great point, Ray, because, and again, that'll get me to another point. We'll bird walk, we're going to bird walk just a little bit, but think about it. 
okay, as believers, are we brought to this point? You know, we, we see things that we don't like. You know, as a believer, when you look at when you look at what the world around you, okay, do you have great trouble and are you disgraced with what you're seeing? Okay. Um, you know, again, I'm not a politician. In fact, what I say is every time Mike Robinson gets into politics, it's a bad thing because it takes me away from religion. Okay. So for me, I try not to talk about politics because it takes me like to another planet uh, where I can't be. But, but I got to believe each one of you as, as dedicated believers, okay, are passionate about what you're seeing around you. How come you're not brought to tears? You know, I, I feel embarrassed that certain things don't bring me to weep. And I think that's the part that really stood out to me, that this was his response. Okay. And I think that, um, you know, we, we need to, um, you know, get to a place in life where um, it, things mean something to us. And what are we going to do about it? Okay, so that's where Nehemiah is at. Okay, now the next statement says, for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So really, I think it's like the first six chapters is kind of written in first person. Okay, you know, this is, it's almost like a diary written by Nehemiah um, as I read this. Um, so, so what I'm looking at again is, you know, you've got, you've got him Okay, he's upset for several days. Okay, so remember, he's still working, isn't he? Okay, he's still got to serve the king. Um, there's no, you know, there's no break here. You can't, you can't, you can't take um, a mental health leave. Okay, right? You can't, you can't take FMLA because you're, you're, you're emotionally distraught. You got to go back to work, right? And, and at the same time, do you think that he really had a problem with what he was doing in his vocation? So at this point, he's distraught, knows he has to do something, but has to continue in work. So what I told you, I think earlier, I don't know if I said this or not, but this process of sitting down, weeping, mourning, and praying was about four months. Okay, so for me, again, hard-headed, impulsive individual, I'm getting after things. Okay, so what this taught me was spend some time with God, allow your emotions to, to drive you a little bit to, to be closer to God, okay, and take some time to consider your next step. And I think that's, that's the part for me, again, that I, I think it, it, it really speaks volumes to me. Any thoughts with that before I go to the next slide? Okay, this is, this is the bare minimum of what I wanted to cover here today in terms of Bible uh, text. You know, a passage that stands out to me in some of the commentaries, again, that I do believe, okay, is we're all, you know, created for Jesus, okay, period, okay? And I do believe we're created for good works, and I do believe that we're predestined to do what God wants us to do. You know, through all this pandemic and through all the political chaos, there's three words that came back to me over and over and over again. It's God is sovereign, you know, and, and I think that has tempered me um, beyond belief. And I think this is a kind of verse that has to give us pause to be patient, you know, and to, to, to wait for what God has for us, okay? So the first thing I just want, a couple of points I want to get to, okay, is, um, you know, I, I think we've got to all understand what our calling is. You know, what, what is the thing that breaks our heart? And I read this from another author, you know, sometimes we think we're too small, you know, but if you think you're too small to be effective, think about laying in bed with a mosquito, right? Okay, you're going to get eaten alive. Okay, and I think that even that little mosquito can do a heck of a lot of damage. And I think that from a positive aspect that we have to understand, you know, what 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 is what is God laying on our heart? 
Um, I do believe there's an emotional response. When you look back at Nehemiah and he wept, okay? When you have anger, when you have sadness, when you have despair, I think that's God tickling your heart, okay? And I think that it's your role to follow the tickle, you know? I mean, I, I think that, that we really have to understand that uh, and be cognizant of everything that he wants us to do. So again, um, what I would say is this, you look at people in history, you know, you look at Walt Disney, you look at Elvis Presley, you look at Babe Ruth, you look at Edison, you look at some of these people in history. Um, I can't remember the guy's name who, who invented the vaccine for polio. I'm in Rotary and Rotary's number one goal is to completely extinguish polio across the planet. And we're almost there where it's all gone. But these people who were called to some kind of, let's say, fame, okay, you know, we all know about Edison and the, you know, the 2000, we'll say failures, but, you know, he'd call it 2000 steps to, to creating a light bulb. You know, some people call them failures. Some people call them steps. Um, Walt Disney was bankrupt. Walt Disney, you know, was told he, he, he was not creative enough. Okay. Uh, you know, you get these people and, and you think about, you know, from a secular standpoint, people who had accomplishment, if you give up, Okay, if, if you walk away, you're missing a blessing. And I, I think that's the first thing that we have to consider is our why. So, you know, one thing I, oh, let me get back here. The one thing I would say is when we're trying to figure this out, um, you know, I, I'll talk about, are you, are you gripped by some tension? You know, so for me, I, I, I absolutely struggle um, to hear that comment, this is how it's always been, okay? You know, that comment vocationally for me is like um, a profane word, okay? This is how it always is. That's a cop-out, okay? It's, it's reason we don't do things, you know, like from a church perspective, okay? Um, if we've stopped something because a pandemic's taking place, you know, that bothers me. You know, I think that I, I think I think we we are naturally going to make excuses not to try new things. Change is difficult. I don't think you rush to change. Remember, Nehemiah took about four months before he got to what he wanted to do. So I'm not saying be impulsive, but when you know the light turns green, you got to go. And I think so many times we treat the green light like the yellow light or the red light. You know, and I think the green light means go. We got to get after it. The second thing I would say is, you know, we have to identify our whys. Okay, you, you know, I you, do you find yourself thinking about something that causes you concern? So this is my my missed exit philosophy. I've been driving with my wife several times where I've driven right by an exit. Okay, um, because I'm deep in thought about something. Okay, it's usually something that's gripping me or causing me tension. Um, and my wife will flip in the car because I've just blown by the exit at about 70. Okay, um, this is something that my thoughts become consumed. Um, if you find yourself that way, I think we have to find a way to organize those emotions. You know, is it journaling? Is it praying? Okay, um, is it counsel you know what's happening as nehemiah is really struggling okay and i think it, it's probably all of the above right okay it's 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 taking you know getting discernment um but but i think there's got to be a process to it i think the more that we put process okay to passion then we get results you know so i think for me we don't spend enough time you know, one of the best things I just did recently was I try to plan seven days a week and what I do in my mornings. Okay. And sometimes I over plan, but I've given myself Fridays to do nothing in the morning, nothing, reflect and plan. That's what my Friday mornings are. And I think we never give ourselves professionally, you know, spiritually the opportunity to just be still and to plan, to reflect, and to think. And I think you got to give yourself that. 
And I think that was probably the spirit of the Sabbath, you know, was probably to give you that, that time. And, um, you know, it's not, you know, the first time I interpreted the Sabbath day was right to take a nap, you know, to do nothing on a Sunday. Um, and I, I just don't, I don't believe God made us lazy, you know, so I think there's a fine line with rest and being lazy. And, and I think for me, it's, it's more about spending time, you know, in reflection. Another thing, again, if you're losing sleep, okay, that's all the process of a vision being developed, okay? You know, again, I love Andy Stanley because he's, he's pretty passionate about what he comes through with and just wanted to come up with a couple of comments that way. Okay. And again, you want to get, I do believe you want to get yourself to a point where you can't accept status quo, that there's a sense of urgency, that you feel conviction, you know, that something demands change. And, and the hard part is, you know, I heard this statement, how long does that take? Well, if you study leaders, right? So if you study Nehemiah, let's say to Moses, it's going to be anywhere from 40 days to 40 years, right? In, in terms of your preparation to get to that point of action, you know, so I, I again, I read that, I thought to myself, it's a good example, you know, um, in, in how long you have to wait as God prepares you, um, and that's really hard for me, you know, because I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of a person of action, and I want to jump into things, um, so the next, you know, point I just want to make is, again, I think waiting is evidence of your wisdom, okay, and I talk about a desert experience, like, Hey, you know, again, that, that, that 40 days, the 40 years, you know, we, we really want to make sure that we're taking time to understand a, a lot of times it's, I come in very heavy on any kind of issue. Um, so while I come off aggressive at the front end, I spend a lot of time. I used to, I used to saying all the time, like this paralysis by analysis, right? So I know what I want to do, but I tend to talk to people more, read more, take in more um, study to try to make sure I'm doing the right thing. So while I'll do things aggressively at the front end, on the back end, I, I tend to spend a little bit more time discerning. And sometimes it, you know, I, I miss, you know, that moment where I need to act. Um, so I think we really have to balance that, you know, in terms of you know, how we move and how, how we, you know, change our behavior. So I think to myself again, you know, Ray, this is for you. Um, you know, what's this picture, Ray? I mean, give, help me out here. See, I can't hear you. There you go. Yeah, no, Luke, Luke went to uh, save his friends too early when Yoda told him not to. Yeah, it's exactly right. Right. So right here, I think he lost his arm, right? Okay, you know, so he was ready to go fight the battle. Okay, and don't let me go off into this little paradigm about using the force. Okay, because, you know, obviously it's about prayer and discernment. Okay, but I do believe that this is a practical example for some of us who are, are like 80s kids and 90s kids. Um, you know, like Yoda told him, you're not ready. You know, Yoda was a Jedi master, right? I mean, he, he wasn't supposed to go. But he went anyway. And, and I think, you know, he lost his arm. OK. And, you know, mission wasn't accomplished. Um, you know, he, he didn't take down the evil Darth Vader. I think that's the part that, you know, we've got to be very careful of is not to act too soon. And I think, you know, again, in terms of a memory hook, this is a picture that stood out to me. And I thought I knew Ray was sitting in the audience. So I figured I'd geek it up a little bit, Ray. Uh, I am a Star Wars fan as well. Okay, so I've kind of come to the, the, the end point for me. I wanted to give, you know, 10 minutes here at the end just to have a little, you know, reflection, feedback, discussion, and also plan for, you know, jumping into the actual study. This was, for me, more of an introduction just to get the ball rolling. Um, I, I really, you know, again, uh, I'm not a fan of talking so much. I'd like to hear, you know, your insight as you go through the scripture. Um, so tell me what you think so far. I mean, what are your thoughts jumping into Nehemiah? 
I think in terms of uh, how I approach things, I approach things very much in an impulsive sort of way. And so I think it's good for me to to see the time that was invested by Nehemiah fasting and praying before, you know, he was ready. And obviously for different scenarios, it's going to take different, some different amounts of time to prepare for things. But, you know, I'm always the impulsive one, the one that uh, wants to just jump in without thinking, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll do that. And, and my wife's then the planner. And so she can, at times kind of rein me in a little bit and say, well, have you thought about all of these little details that you're going to have to figure out? And I'm like, no, I haven't thought about any of these things. Um, and so I think it's, it's been good for us in our relationship to work on those things and, and to help each other in that end. But I definitely am someone that, you know, when I think of a good idea or someone gives a suggestion, I always just want to say, oh yeah, that's great. Let's just do it. As opposed to, okay, let's really analyze um, if this is going to be effective or not, if this is what God is leading us towards or not. You know, I think in leadership, Matt, you know, I've always challenged myself, at least, to, to surround myself with opposites. You know, um, I, I like naysayers. You know, I, I tend to like older people around me because I don't think they're as fearful of questioning me. Um, when I was a head coach, you know, I was probably right in the middle age wise of all my assistants. And I thought that was a good thing because um, I had to be on my toes and prepared for their opposition, but they also provided me lots of wisdom. So, you know, good point. Other ideas? What, what, what do you think of coming through this? I think one area I think sometimes I internalize, like if I were to reflect on this, you know, if I was in Nehemiah's spot, I would probably be thinking, well, I don't know how to build a wall. I don't know how to do all these tasks you know, I'm a cupbearer, I would probably make a lot of mental excuses or opportunities for me to deflect. And I would just pray for somebody else to rise up, um, perhaps. And so, and maybe that was a challenge of the four months that he took to, you know, to maybe process that. I don't know, but definitely reflecting that, but we know like the story that he gathers the people to do it. It wasn't about him learning how to do all these tasks in four months, right? It was about gaining everyone together on that common vision. So sometimes it's easy to put that on our shoulders and be like, this is my responsibility. It's my vision. I have to do this. And I think you see the collective power of him gaining people together in that common goal and vision. And that's, that's the 52 days coming to work. If he would have done it himself, I'm talking years, right? Or a few handful of people. So I think it's easy to really put that pressure on us when we have that vision that like we're the only person and we feel like maybe we're the only person that cares or we're the only person that has this passion. But I think through that book, I think we're going to see him gathering people that have that same path. They just needed someone to really inspire them. And uh, so I'm excited to go through this, Mike. I appreciate your time and, and energy put into this for us. No, oh, absolutely. Looking forward to it for sure. Great, great comment. You know, again, the cupbearer is, is not the carpenter, right? You know, I mean, maybe he did. Maybe he had a side side gig where he was, you know, building decks or whatever he was doing. You know, maybe it, it, the, the gospel text doesn't reveal that. Um, so I don't want to shortchange the guy. But I, I do believe that he was called to serve in an area far, far away that was not what he expected to be doing. You know, and, and think about him. I mean, he rose to a prominent position as a cup fair, how easy it is to just kind of be complacent. You know, so I, I worry about that, you know, as you age, I've heard a lot about retiring Christians, you know, that was my frustration coming to Mount Calvary. I felt like, you know, I was eager to be discipled and I felt like, you know, these great men around me, I, I, I wanted to challenge them not to be retiring Christians. I need, I needed the help. I needed discipleship and I want to be that person, you know, like I want to be that guy that on his deathbed is still trying to kick. You know, and I think spiritually, you, you, you got to have, you know, just that spiritual survival mode, right? So um, good point, for sure. Any other thoughts? Yeah, I think, I think the thing that I've learned over the last like 10 years is that people think of leadership as like a platform. But for me, it's truly been doing the consistent, being consistent every day, doing the things that nobody sees, um, doing the things that aren't glamorous and that positions you to act in a way that is unpopular and 
that's the things that influence people, not, not trying to convince them, just doing things that you know God wants you to do. Um, yeah, people look at what you do, not what you say, so. And, and you're Heidi, right? Yes. Okay, Heidi, this, what a great profound statement, good Lord. I mean, that's, that, that's the definition of Nehemiah. Like he, he was like the average person, but boy, he, he's like that dependable. I used to have a guy that coached with me that he drove me crazy because he showed up five minutes before practice, but he was the most prepared coach. But every time five minutes before practice, he'd come around the corner of the building. And, you know, for the first two months, I used to get stressed out, but then he was so dependable and so reliable. He became my best, most you know, talented coach. And I'm like, this is awesome. And I think you're exactly, you nailed it right on the head that, you know, again, it's not glamorous. Hard work's not glamorous. That's, that's very good. Um, any other thoughts before we kind of close here? I was thinking the, your question of what breaks your heart uh, and understanding what your calling is, right? Understanding that what, kind of creates tension in me is not going to create tension in everybody else and vice versa. Uh, and to pay attention to those tension points and not push them away um, or bury them. So that, that really caused me to stop and think, and I, I'm going to continue to think about that. I think today. That's good. I appreciate it, Ray, for sure. So, so let me go to the last part of this. And again, let's, let's, let's go to the application, the action a little bit. You know, I, I believe, you know, Andy Stanley said this, that we don't have the right, okay, um, you, you know, to take our talents or abilities, experiences and run off in any direction. You know, we just don't have that right. Um, I, I believe that we have a role to play. And I believe it's our role to, to be discern, to discern that. And um, so as you leave today, let's think about this. A um, couple of things for next week. Um, think about some kind of companion for the Nehemiah study. I've got a PDF that I, I, I downloaded offline. Um, you can certainly find those book studies that are free or something from Amazon. But I think you need to have something to walk alongside your Bible studies we go through. Um, you know, I, I, what I want to do is be consistent about time, place, and location. You know, how you're going to approach this study. Uh, because again, I, I think study without, without application uh, tends to be a little bit useless. Um, so I, I really like to understand what came from a study on a leader like Nehemiah. So um, next week, we're really going to just finish uh, Nehemiah chapter one. So, you know, take a couple minutes and read that a few times this week, you know, reflect on it, pray on it, um, you, you know, really try to break it apart. Um, that's what we'll come back and do next week. Um, I also want you to be able to try to think about your why and, and what your singular pursuit right now might be. You know, where's God calling you? Um, you know, and again, I, I think that's, that's very difficult, you know, to speak about. So for me personally, my why as of today really feels like, um, ironically, mentorship towards you know, 20 to, uh, you know, four-year-olds, you know, men. I mean, that really feels like my, my niche right now, um, that God's put me in that place where for whatever reason, you know, I, I've got these people around me asking questions and I feel like I have to provide answers. Um, and I've seen a lot of growth in that area in the last six months to a year. So I don't know where that takes me, but I just know for right now, that's what God has me doing. Uh, as my why. Uh, now, if you would ask me this 10 years ago, I was going to, you know, 20 years ago, I was going to be a college football coach. Okay. If you asked me, you know, uh, uh, you know, 10, 10 months ago, I, I might want to be a superintendent. You know, there's, there's big goals that you have, but I'm not sure. I've really, these studies have given me pause to say, let, let's be careful that it's not our, our world, but his. You know, so I think we've got to really consider that. So come prepared next week to talk about your why. Uh, come prepared after you've read chapter one and also have some kind of companion. Uh, I'm going to ask you about those. Okay. Uh, I am going to put you on the spot to some degree. Um, if you don't feel like talking, just, you know, tell me. Uh, but I, I do want to hear some of that feedback coming back in.
Okay. Any final thoughts? I'd like to close a prayer if I could. Awesome. Let me close a prayer. Eric, I couldn't figure out how to go All ahead. Right, Eric. Go, Erica. How you doing? Couldn't figure out how to unmute this. This is my only second Zoom meeting, so thanks for having me on. When Mike brought me into Nehemiah, I'm thinking, why Nehemiah? Uh, it interested me because of Bible prophecy. I think this is where the 490 years starts. But anyhow, the, the leadership part of things, um, we're all called to be kings and priests. So no matter if you realize you're in a leadership role like Mike is, or I'm a, you know in construction with no employees, my leadership role is very limited. But we're all sent out to be stewards, to, to share the gospel. And we are leaders, whether we realize it or not, trying to lead people to the gospel, to the good news. I appreciate it. Eric's my brother-in-law. So, you know, just, just as a matter of introduction, uh, I, I, and don't be surprised if other people end up in this. I tend to, you know, shoot it to them and say, hey, jump in with us. Um, you know, so again, I, I, I like the small group. You know, I like I like being able to have some dialogue, but same token, don't be afraid to invite somebody in so we can have some conversation. It's about extending the kingdom, right? So if we don't have the courage to say jump into a Zoom meeting, I mean, you can keep your camera off if you want. If your if your hair's not done upright or something like that, just tell them to, you know, just listen in. All right, let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I am um, humbled uh, at the opportunity to just kind of see see what your word has for us and and just uh, draw the influences of all these godly people. Um, it always excites me to hear feedback from other people and, and, and how you um, are using their emotions to drive them. Uh, I just pray, Lord, that I've learned something from this study uh, from these people and be able uh, to take it to application. Uh, lead and guide us, Lord. Bring us back here next week at the same time. Uh, prepare to dive deeper into your word. So in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, folks, 7.30, go get something done today. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. See ya.